Hey guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast. Podcast, we welcome an evangelist uh, that is taking time uh, before he speaks at his next speaking engagement. Um, spoke last night, a very busy man, but somehow he found time for Brian and I on the podcast. Uh, we're very thankful, very honored to have evangelist George Hurt with us on the podcast today. Bro, thank you so much. Where, where did you wake up this morning? What city are you in? I'm in Annapolis, Maryland. Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, who are you with today? Are you, are you with Chester Wright? Yes, sir. Awesome, awesome. So how did uh, your revival service last night go? I went well. We did something for the young people. Oh, did you? <clears throat> yes, sir. Awesome. So give us a little bit of background on who you are, where you came from, kind of how you got involved in evangelism. Um, man, the next uh, few minutes is yours. Take the floor. Yes, sir. Um, once again, my name is George Hurd. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm born and raised there. I've been there all my life. Um, I got saved around the age of 18, 19 years old. Um, uh, I ended up um, getting involved in ministry full-time um, in my late 20s. And I've uh, been evangelizing for, I would say, at least... Uh, we, well, we evangelized for about six, seven years. And then we pastored for a couple of years. We planted a church in Indianapolis. We went back on the road evangelizing again. We've been doing it again full time for, I want to say, the past four, at least the past four years or so. So, uh, are so you st- how, how did the coronavirus kind of affect your ministry? I'm assuming it just it shut it down completely for a while, didn't it? No, sir. Oh, it uh, didn't? No. Um, you know, I, the, honestly, um, we actually ministered even more. Um, I don't think, I don't think a virus can shut a ministry down. Um, what ministry is ordained of God, what a ministry is sent out of God. Um, ministries transcend any season, sickness, plague, war, anything that's going on. At any time, so honestly, uh, we 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 stayed. We actually stayed very busy uh, through the whole pandemic. Um, there were times where we we did a lot of Zoom videos. We did a lot of pre-recorded stuff, and um, I did parking lot revivals, and also um, you know taught Bible studies in my in my community. I have a horse trough in my garage, baptize people. And so we stay pretty busy. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. That's uh, not really the answer that we've got from other evangelists. Um, but I like what you said that a, a virus can't stop a ministry that you're called to. That's that's a very good topic I would like to talk about for a couple of minutes, if it's right with you guys. Uh, I know we had, Brian and I had Pastor Tony Spell on our podcast, and it was one of the most rapidly growing episodes that we had ever recorded. Even still to this day, it's still growing by leaps and bounds. And it's because people wanted to hear what his take on um, the media was because he was getting so much hate. And whenever we called him to, to come on our podca- podcast, Brother Hurt, he he said, yes, I'll, I will come on your podcast. And it was the day after he recorded with Glenn Beck. And he said, "There's only the only thing I want you to promise me is if we um, do this interview with you, I don't want um, what I say to be cut because... You know, that's what media does. They, they take your words and they change them around. And you're saying stuff that you had no idea it even came out of your mouth. But with that episode, Brother Hurt, came a lot of uh, criticism towards 
Pastor Spell for um, almost ignoring the virus and continuing to have in church anyway. Uh, what What's your take on that whole situation? Um, do you, whenever Brian and I recorded with him, we, we let everybody know that um, our views may not be the same as his, but they are uh, most certainly, they need to be heard. Um, what, what What's your take on the church's role during the coronavirus? Yes, I believe... Um as far as how he, um, as far as how Tony Spells handled uh, that situation and, um, you know, the coronavirus, my, my take is this. Jesus um, went into, I mean, the church does not have the privilege uh, to just stop doing ministry because of sicknesses and diseases that come into the world. Jesus has given us authority over these things. Now, I'm not saying that people don't die. Listen, I've, I've known there are people that are very close to me that have passed away uh, during this. However, there have been many that have been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost through this situation, through this season. Jesus, as a matter of fact, when it came down to lepers, Jesus laid his hand on lepers. When at that time, it was not really lawful to even be around the leper, yet he better yet touch one. Um, they were highly contagious, but Jesus did not follow the crowd. He did, he did not follow um, um, the, he, he, did, he didn't follow the culture. He didn't follow the status quo. He walked in love and he let his light shine. And I think that uh, as far as what, you know, Brother Spells did during that, uh, I commend him. As a matter of fact, I believe that, uh, you know, you might be hated a man, but I believe he'll probably receive a crown. Absolutely. And, you know, that was my take on a lot of that stuff. And I actually took heat from it for, you know, I'm in a group chat with a lot of my friends from back home in Illinois. And uh, they, after... Pastor Spell was on our podcast. They're like, surely you can't believe what he believes. And after talking to him, I realized that the church is more than a building. His his community um, strongly depends on him. That's where their next meal comes from. That's that's where their their love and their hope and their trust comes from. Well, well, early on there was this idea of we needed to shut down churches for a short period of time. And yet, we still have whole states that still won't allow churches to assemble. Yeah. And so, and so, when do we when do we say no? Enough's enough. We have to meet together. We have to be a church. And anyway, but but uh, anyway, uh, we sorry, we got a little commotion going on in the room that we're in. But um, yeah, we I mean we 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 love the idea that that this pandemic doesn't stop. Now, ministry may look different now than it did prior to this, but ministry, however you see it, whatever side of the fence you're on, ministry doesn't stop because of this. Correct. Pastor Her, or excuse me, Evangelist Her, I do want to ask you a question. Um, Brian hates the phrase with everything that's going on right now, <laughs> but I want to ask you with, um, as being a an evangelist that is of what the United Pentecostal Church considers a minority, the United uh, States considers a minority, as a black evangelist, we, I ask you what the, the church's take on coronavirus should be. What should the church's take on the BLM movement be? Um, to be honest with you, I think the church, I am not uh, necessarily in agreement with the BLM, BLM movement. I am in agreement with the kingdom movement. Um, I, I believe that Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. He said, I came to bring the sword to divide, uh, the vision that is in this world. The church can't fix the vision that's in the world. If you're going to have unity of nations, uh, and it's going to be biblical, it must be by way of the spirit and not by way of flesh. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Unity, I agree. 
Unity in the end time that comes by way of the flesh will work through the Antichrist. But unity in the end time that comes by way of the spirit will work through Jesus Christ. And I think we should um, make sure that we, um, I, I believe that, you know, um, I believe that the church uh, should, you know, understanding that should not be insensitive, however, concerning things that may go on uh, in black communities and things that have happened to young black men that have been, you know, killed by police. I'm a young, I'm a, consider myself a young black man and I've not always been in church. I haven't always been saved. Uh, I, I told, I speak about it publicly. You know, I, I was, when I got into church, I was a four time convicted felon. I was facing 106 years in prison. I was sentenced to 14 years in prison. I did six and a half years in a state prison in Indiana. Um, now, since, <clears throat> since then, you know, about a couple years ago, the judge uh, in Indiana uh, expunged my whole criminal records. So I, I have no, I have no criminal uh, record anymore. But nevertheless, one of my uh, cases that I had was a possession of cocaine that was planted on me by a police officer. Really? Yes, it was planted on me by a police officer. And uh, the thing was, uh, the arresting officer uh, on the case knew me from a child. Um, and he was aware that there was nothing on me. Because they had, they kicked in the door and they had put my clothes on me and everything. And uh, so um, they had to search my clothes before they put it on me. Well, what happened was I got into the paddy wagon and drove down the street. And the paddy wagon officer pulls me out the paddy wagon, puts me on the other side and asks me, do I have any more cocaine on me? And I said, dude, I'm in cocaine. I'm, I'm locked up for uh, trespassing. He's like... Uh, no, he was like, you know, what, what about the cocaine? Yeah, and I was like, dude, I had no cocaine on me. He said, well, you got a possession of cocaine now. Shows me the cocaine. I mean, that's a possession of cocaine. And arrest me, has me brought up on charges for that. And, you know, during that time span, um, I, you know, I, I, I was targeted. Uh, I don't know why that guy did that to this day. Maybe he was wanting to be promoted. Uh, I, I don't know why he did that. But one thing as a young black man, you know, uh, I had to forgive. And um, I had to forgive. And, you know, even though the enemy meant it for evil, God turned it around for my good. So these things go on. Um, I, I've, 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 I've dealt with police brutality, you know. Uh, these things go on. And um, so as a church, I believe the church must be careful not to, we need to make sure that we take everything case by case basis. Uh, but at the same time, we need to be careful about getting behind movements. We need to get behind the spirit. We don't follow anything. Let it be the leading of God's spirit. Um, the Bible says, how can two walk together? Let's they agree. Uh, I do not agree with the spirit that is behind the BLM, BLM movement. Therefore, I don't walk with them. Why? Because uh, I'm not walking after the flesh. I'm walking after the spirit. And anything that is opposite of the spirit can derail me from my relationship with God. And that, you know, this world is not my final destination. New Jerusalem is, and I can't afford to miss it. So you mentioned um, some of your some of your past. So yes. people people who would look at you now, they can go to your website and they see you preaching in the in a suit behind a pulpit with a nice tie and the microphone in your hand. But you just oh, yeah. now indicated obviously that hasn't always been your story. So, so no, she hasn't. So so what what has led you to become who you are now? How did you how did you first hear the gospel? How did you first get in church and? And, and what was your life like before you were saved? All right. I was, you know, before I got in church, you know, I was, like I said, I was ran the streets. I, you know, always was in trouble, very troublesome child. I liked to fight. Uh, I sold drugs. 
um, hustle, rob people. Uh, I was in gangs. Um, I was not the poster child for what you want your child to be. <laughs> and they got older. Um, I was a bad example. I was not the person that people wanted their children to hang out with. Um, however, I got the Holy Ghost. I was about 18, 19 years old. Once again, like I said, I was in a lot of trouble. And, um, you know, I got the Holy Ghost. My girlfriend at the time was a backslider. And I got, you know, I started getting all this trouble and I needed, needed a way out. And um, I got baptized, got the Holy Ghost. And then, you know, not long after that, went to prison. And uh, while I was in prison, I developed a relationship with God. Uh, the Lord met me in there and, um, developed, you know, started having a relationship with God. I got grounded in the doctrine when I went to a friend of mine's room in the prison that uh, was a, uh, this friend of mine had books on his shelf. And I noticed that he had a couple books that stuck out to me. And I was like, I think that this author might be of the same persuasion of the church that I got saved at at home. And uh, so I, the man said, well, if you write this author, he'll send you these free books. And uh, I said, all right. So I wrote the author. Well, the author was David Bernard. And uh, I wrote David Bernard or the published house. I can't remember. I just remember writing the uh, letter to the address on the back of the book. And uh, I, I told them my condition, my situation. I said, can you give me uh, your new birth experience, spiritual gifts, and the oneness of God? So when that happened, um, you know, I started reading the books. I spent a lot of time praying, fasting, um, worshiping, you know, during my time period of incarceration. And one day, um, I want to say maybe back in 2000, uh, I realized that, I was, you know, I realized that God had called us to more. And, um, and, and, and that I realized that, you know, what was going on in the book of Acts, it should be happening now. So then I, um, next thing you know, we started preaching in the prison. And to make a long story short, revival broke out in the prison. People started getting baptized. People started getting the Holy Ghost. Miracles were happening. And I wasn't doing this for the sake of trying to build a ministry. I was doing this because I thought this was what everyone was supposed to be doing when, you know, they're born again of water and spirit. Ground is down the street from where I did time at. Uh, you could literally walk from the campground to the prison. And there was a gentleman that used to be, I think he might have been the groundskeeper or what have you. Uh, he used to attend Calvary Tabernacle. Brother Mooney's church in Indianapolis at the time, uh, now pastored by Brother Carson. Uh, but he used to attend there, and he would walk to the prison every Sunday, and uh, he would come visit us. And uh, and he would pull me out of the you know, pull me out, bring me to the visiting room, and uh, he'd buy me a Coke and a Snicker bar, and he would sit back and we would talk scriptures. He did this faithfully. He walked to the prison every single Sunday. And uh, when I came home, eventually, uh, you know, went back to the church. I got saved at, at that time. I was a PW church. I went back to that church. Pastor told me, he said, hey, everything God was using you in when you were out there, you know, when you were in prison, I want you to do it out here. So we started having a revival, you know, started taking sound equipment. And I'd go outside and I'd preach on street corners and people just start showing up baptized a lot of people and eventually you know got married you know god bless me and my wife and uh, we became youth pastors and you know ministers kind of taken off and then i eventually moved and went to another church and then one day um you know i ended up i uh, was met by a couple preachers i said but i heard we want to take you to west virginia uh to go visit a preacher it was like, we really think it would be beneficial to you. So I went with um, about four or five preachers, uh, probably like the low guy. As a matter of fact, I think I just got off parole. And uh, I got there, went to the house, knocked on the door, and opened up this door. And this big, 
heavy guy opens up the door and like from the moment I stepped in the door it was like the guy just pick with me but I knew something about honor and he just sat back and he just began to impart he began to minister he just began to pour his heart out him pour his heart out him and his wife by the time his old would be back they start prophesying and then next thing you know uh, they come to me they prophesy to me and um you know, there was a lot of impartation. And at that time, it confirmed that I felt, you know, I, I was feeling like God was telling me to evangelize full time. And uh, we would pull it out. We left the house. And then I found out later on, I never knew who the guy was. But I was telling the story. And uh, I told them, you know, I was like, the guy's name was, you know, it was like he was the missionary to Thailand. It's like, that was Billy Cole. I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, well, Billy Cole, I, I never heard of him. And, uh, but it was, you know, sitting in the house, there was the confirmation that was given to me that God had called me to evangelize full time. So I came home, I shut my business down, and uh, the gentleman that used to come and visit me in the prison every year, I mean, every, every week, he started, he took over his father's church in Oklahoma. And I went there and, preached my first revival and from that revival revival broke out it was from that revival that we went full-time in ministry with with your <laughs> revival ministry that you've had um yes uh one of my good friends listens to a lot of preaching and, and before uh we did this podcast i actually called and asked if he's ever listened to you and he was like oh yeah definitely he's like he's you know he's had a lot of miracles in his ministry and i was like oh you know because going in this interview honestly I really, I've never heard you preach until yesterday. It was the first time I actually heard you preach. I just, I've seen your name before. And Tony was like, you need to, you know, we need to find somebody to be on the podcast. And I was like, you know, there's a name for some reason that's coming to my mind. And so, like I said, so I, I'm just getting to really know who you are actually really through this podcast. So it's, it's very interesting to hear your story because I'm really not as familiar with it. So I went to your website because before the podcast, you let us know, hey, if you want to know kind of some of my background, here you go. And I went to the testimonial page. Yes. And, and there was a story that I read through, like one stands out that I can still remember, is a lady had a bunch of like lumps under her arm and from her lymph nodes or something like that. And while you were preaching, you had turned to her in the testimonial and you told her to go check in the mirror to see if they were still there. And the reason why I bring up the two things, I talked to my friend and I read that testimony, is my friend wanted me to ask you how it is you hear from God because... Like in that testimony, how you boldly and with faith looked at her and said, go check in the mirror. What does that look like? And how did you develop that kind of sensitivity or, or boldness or faith to say those things? All right. That's a good question. The gifts of the Spirit with me, once again, they developed in prison. And um, they developed a little bit in prison. And they developed through obedience. My sensitivity, I, I wasn't listening to God to do ministry. I was listening to God for obedience. I, I was looking, I learned relationship through obedience. So I was looking, I was listening for what God wanted me to do. I noticed that whenever I would listen for direction, uh, whenever I carried out those instructions, I got closer to him. So um, through that, the gifts began to work. I would say that when I told that woman to go to the bathroom to go look, um, I believe that would be considered word of wisdom. And I just felt like, um, I just felt like that, you know, the moment she went, a lot of times, you know, I just, you, you just kind of know that it's going to be gone and that, you know, um, that God, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I am, I can't, I, I'm not the miracle worker, but God is. And, um, if I have been sent of God to command that thing to leave our body, then, um, as she goes, it's common like Jesus telling the people to go to show themselves to the high priest. As they went, 
they were healed. I just knew that when she would leave, she would as she went, she would be healed. Um, you know, but you just can't be. Sometimes we're more fearful of being wrong that we miss the opportunity of being right. Mm. Um, just step out. And, you know, I, I think that we were in one revival been some years ago. It's probably been about eight years ago. We were in a revival. And um, that happens frequently, but we were in a revival. Um, it, and Mitchell's church is called the Sanctuary uh, Church. I think uh, they just put another pastor in um, probably um, just recently. I, for, I forgot his name. I think it might be Matthew Johnson or something. Um, but um, we did a revival there and we were in a prayer meeting that we had about six women that went to the bathroom. They all had tumors, lumps, all kinds of stuff that they could feel. And they went to the bathroom and one by one they came out and it was gone. Um, you know, um, you have to believe that the Bible says that the worlds were framed by the things that we don't, that, that we don't see. All things were created by the things that we don't see. Um, the word, I mean, the word created the things that are seen and unseen. And if that's the case, then the seeing is a byproduct of what is not seen. A, so the things that are seen are a byproduct of the word. So you have to look at the word as more real than the things that you see. And if you will believe that God's word is more real than the things that you see, then if the word can put it into existence, the word can take it out of existence. So I believe the God's word above what I see. You said that your um, you feel like your spiritual gifts started while you were incarcerated, correct? Yes. How long were you incarcerated? For? <clears throat> six and a half years. And at what point in that six and a half years do you feel like this the, this started? Uh, it almost started immediately. Really? Uh, when, when I got the Holy Ghost. It just, you know, it just became, you know, it's just been a gradual, a gradual growth. Even to this day, I'm still growing. Wow. So when you were in prison um, and the spiritual giftings began to start in your life, did you see anything like you were just telling us while incarcerated with other inmates? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I remember one guy named Dusty. <laughs> Dusty from Detroit. Dusty Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, sorry for all the people that might be listening that might be from Detroit. I'm not saying Detroit's <laughs> Dusty. <laughs> but he was, he was Dusty, man. His name was Dusty. I, I don't know, you know. His name was Dusty. He was from Detroit. And uh, one day, uh, you know, I had a few men. We would walk around the yard, pray together, um, you know, spend time, you know, in the Word together. And we were walking around the yard. And uh, Dusty was playing softball and um, playing baseball, softball, whatever. And somehow or another, he was running and he pulled his hamstring. And he was in excruciating pain. And a friend of mine named Keith, uh, he was like, he said, George. He said, uh, no, friend of mine, Keith, he was with me. And uh, Keith was like, let's pray for him. So then we were kind of gathered around them, you know, Dusty's in excruciating pain. And the, as Keith said, pray for him. I heard, I felt like I felt the Lord impress upon me. And it was like, I told you guys to do the healing. And I looked at Keith and I said, I said, you know, kind of whispered to him. I said, lay hands on him, lay hands on him. And Keith was like, he was like, mm -hmm. he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. You do it. And he was like, Keith felt like maybe I had more authority because I had, I got the Holy Ghost on the streets and he got the Holy Ghost in prison. So I had never done this before. So I just lightly, in the, in the light.
lightest manner touch put my hand on Dusty's leg. And I just said, in Jesus' name, you're healed. I whispered it. And next thing you know, I backed up. And it was like Dusty, like had blacked out. It was like Dusty, Dusty, get up. Dusty jumps up. And then he starts crying, starts worshiping. He's like, who touched my leg? He's crying, he's worshiping God. He's like, who, which one of y'all? He's like, you don't understand. The pain is gone. The pain is gone. The pain is gone. And he starts jumping and rejoicing. God healed him right there on the yard. Um, it made it made me nervous. Um, but at that moment, uh, those guys, it was the fear of God that just kind of came down. Only thing I could admit, only thing I could describe was that it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, like, kind of like you go to some of the church services, they see a miracle, they're like, wow, you know, it was like a fear of God just kind of hit because we knew that it was supernatural. We knew that it was, it, we, we knew that it was at that moment that it was like, man, God's with us. Because, you know, when you're incarcerated, you know, um, you, you, you're not in there for being a saint. <laughs> so like, you know, so like, there's, if you want to go to, if you want to go to a place where it's full of condemnation, go to prison. There's, there's so much condemnation and guilt and shame there. So when we were like, man, God would even work amongst us, it was an honor. But at the same time, it was a fear because it was like, wow, he's here. He's with us. So at that moment, um, you know, we recognized that God was a miracle worker. When you came out and you first went into a church, did Mm -hmm. people look at you funny because you were a felon? Oh, uh, good question. Now, these people looked at me funny before I came in. I think I got the Holy, I went back to the same church. I got the Holy Ghost at. All right. Now, I will say when I got the Holy Ghost, I was already in trouble. Um, I was already in trouble. But to answer your question, um, they were amazed because I was out of my mind before I came. The first, when I got the Holy Ghost. But when I came back from prison, it was like I was a totally new person. It was I was I was equivalent to like the person in the scripture where it was like, you know, they had this madman and then they come back and he's sitting with Jesus chilling and he's in his right mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of like, and it was like, and the people were like, man, like God's working with this young man. But the thing was, when I started preaching out, uh, you know. Um, some of the first revivals I had done, um, I didn't talk about my testimony a lot because if they found out my testimony before they saw God work through me, it actually brought limitations on what God could do. Because the honor, in order for people to do ministry, there has to be a level of honor. Well, I noticed that if people found out my testimony before they found out uh, how God worked through me, the honor went down, and therefore God couldn't do any works or miracles. So, so explain that. So, so how how? For instance, makes- I remember. I remember one time. I remember one time. I was in revival at a church, and um, and the pastor did not know that I was a, a convicted felon at the time. And he, I saw a young man in the altar and I was trying to minister to him. And I just, you know, I began to tell him my testimony. The pastor wasn't aware. And the pastor was like offended. <laughs> I guess, you know, because I, you know, um, I, I think that. I can answer know, that for you. It's because I don't think that pastor believed that God can restore. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, God is obviously, we've talked to another guy uh, who is a felon who pastors a church now, and he he told us that one of the biggest things that the church lacks is, um, 
not God not being able to restore, but the lack of ministers who believe that God can and should restore. Um, what what's your take on on um, ministry for people who don't have that perfect background? Uh, what would you say to that guy, that young man that's sitting at home that may be listening right now that is struggling with his calling because he ha- he doesn't have that perfect background? Man, be yourself. Don't ever let people try to make you into somebody else. Be yourself. Love people. Ministry is not birthed out of affirmation of man. Um, ministry is birthed out of the love of God. And sometimes people are waiting for other people to approve of you before you let God use you. Ministry is not birthed out of man's approval. It's birthed out of God's approval. I'm reminded in the scripture when Jesus came uh, to the River Jordan and he was baptized. Scripture says that a voice spoke from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. If Christ calls you son, if God calls you son, you, you don't need, you don't, don't get caught up in getting angry or bitter. Just get out there and win souls. Um, that was one of the things that, you know, I had more of a value for. I, I did not, I wasn't looking for a pulpit. I was looking for sinners. Mm. Um, I, I, for when I was a youth pastor, I would always have other people preach to the people at church. I didn't like preaching to the church people. My pastor would want me to preach, and I, I didn't want to preach to the saints. I like preaching to sinners. Wow. Um, I think that it's dangerous. A lot of pastors that are like that, preachers or saints that uh, are like that, uh, are people that built their ministry of the saints off of ministering to the congregation. They never built their ministry in the field. Um, they've never, they've never, they don't win souls. They, they, they just know how to, they just know how to get the amen. They know how to preach or regurgitate things that have been preached. It's only effective of getting, it's only effective of getting the amen to people that aren't doing anything. But they don't really realize, you know, sometimes if you want to know the effectiveness of your ministry, go win the loss. The Bible says he who wins the souls is wise. Um, sometimes a person can look like they're wise in the church and they don't win no souls. Uh, wisdom is not measured by how you move the, how you move the crowd at church. Wisdom can be measured by your effectiveness in winning the soul. So um, I would tell that person, keep winning the loss and discipling them. And um, and don't don't get caught up in the who's who and all that stuff. That's that's a waste of time. Right. Uh, if we got in the back seat of your car in Indianapolis, where's the three places you take us to? If you got my back seat in Indianapolis, I'm never home, bro. So <laughs> say you're home for home. ten minutes. Yeah, let's, let's, let's say that you, for whatever reason you've taken a week off. We just so happen to get there. Where's your three go-to places? All right, uh, I'm going to go visit my pastor. Um, because I'm never home. So like, uh, as soon as I get home, I'm gonna go visit my pastor. And who's that? And who's that? Matthew Ball. I'll go visit him. And uh, and normally I get there around, usually I get there around, if I get there around 11, 12, he's always like, I don't know, whenever I get there, he's always, for some reason, I always get there in time for him to go to lunch. So I'll go there <laughs> and we'll talk. I sit in his office, we'll talk, and then we'll go to lunch. Then um, after that, um, I will... Uh, trying to get a hold of my daughter. I have a daughter that I had back from high school. So she's 22. I'll get a hold of her. We'll meet up. Uh, 
and then uh, I will probably uh, either try to get to the young man that um, I put as pastor of our church in Indianapolis, or I try to get to that church. But usually those are those would be the I, I would either get to his house or get to that church. But those are the three places that I would get to uh, when I come in town. Bro, it sounds to me like uh, a can of Coke and a Snickers bar changed the whole dynamic of your life when a man came and visited you in prison. Right. What can I do? What can Brian do? What can the, all of our listeners do that feel like they're not doing enough to win the loss? You kept talking about win the loss, win the loss. What can I do to better do that for the kingdom? All right, that's a good question. Um, and also, I know I gave you a time span, you know, on when we get out, when to finish this thing. But I kind of like your question. I didn't know how this thing was going to go. So if you want to go a little longer, we can. Oh, but he never. likes us. He wants to stick around for a little bit. I like this. I like this. We, I didn't we, know how it was going to go. We ain't so bad, so. brother. We ain't so bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, you guys are awesome. But, uh, but, but no, uh, I would say this, man. Invest in people. I, I really think the Pentecostals are really good at doing church. They love to see people baptized. They love to see people fill the Holy Ghost. But man, we'll give our money. You know, she's for Christ, missionary offers. And man, we, 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 we believe in giving. We'll give our money, we'll give our we'll give all that stuff. But man, when it comes down to giving of ourselves, we'll give all of our money before we give all of ourselves. And we'll give all of our money before we'll give any of our time. Yeah. Bro, so... Uh, so so, so you've got to invest in people in a genuine manner. It can't... It has to be... has to be organic. It has to be like... has to be real. You follow me? It can't be like... Um, you, you, you've got to... You've got to learn how to do life with people. You got to be friends. You got to learn how to develop friendships. And I think that we have come out of the world so much that we have failed in learning how to make friends with people that are coming out of the world. Right. Um, let me ask you this. As an evangelist, getting real mm-hmm. about it, have you ever been yeah. stiffed? Stiffed. You went and preached at a church and they didn't pay you? Oh, yeah. How did you handle that? Uh, you know, I'm trying to think. Hold on. Bro, let me, I, give, let me give you an example real quick, just so I, okay. can, I can open the awkwardness up. Because okay, uh, my, my mother-in-law is a children's evangelist. Her and her right. husband, late husband evangelized for years. And um, they got to be very prominent where they would travel all across the United States and even different countries in the world. And uh, they got invited to this big, large church. Um, And they evangelized that night. And the pastor, instead of getting them a hotel room, you're going to stay with us. We got a full finished basement. No problem. We appreciate the generosity. Man, they came in from service and they ate peanut butter and jellies and then they, my mother-in-law and her husband thought, you know, you know, maybe they're just sacrificing so much of their money. Um, you know, they're not taking us to eat. They're not buying us a hotel. We understand this. Let's give it all we've got. Well, they go down to the basement to go to bed in a nice, you know, they got a bedroom down there. And then my mother-in-law tells my father-in-law, hey, I forgot my purse. Can you go upstairs and get it? And he goes upstairs to get it, and they have a full spread of chicken and gravy and mashed potatoes. And before they sent him downstairs, they were playing, we don't have the finances to have you here. But as soon as they went away, all of a sudden it was they're inviting friends over to eat nice and, you know, have that big meal. And, you know, I think we're better off as as Christians that we treat our evangelists and our traveling members that, 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 that give 
like we were talking about, not willing. Well, I'm not willing to give my time to the ministry word. That's all you do, bro. And I think yeah. that that we need to be conscious of that with with our givings and stuff. Well, that that was my story. Um, I'm not sure if you want to delve into anything like that. Um, I, you know, I've had people. I've had people tell me, "Hey, buddy, your checks in the mail." And never, uh, it ain't in my mailbox yet. Um, you, you know, know Brian works uh, for the post office. You might ask him to look have, up that yeah, check. It might be because of me. <laughs> Actually, I'm too busy delaying an election. Yeah, but kidding. but it's. I, I mean, I've I've dealt with. You know, I've listen, man. I've I've been done wrong, or uh, what people would consider done wrong. But my thoughts is this, man. You know. I have done way more wrong to God mm. than what any man could have ever done to me. And yet he chooses to love you. Yeah. Mm. So therefore, if God's not going to hold it against me, I'm not going to hold it against people. Mm. So I've been- And, you know, the Lord, it's like this. I had a business. I shut it down. I could have, I could have, I could be making way more money. Than what I'm making now. Now, I'm not telling you that I'm not blessed. God has blessed me tremendously, blessed me and my family tremendously. But I could be way, making way more money than what I'm making now. But the Lord is my provision, mm-hmm. and if I, if someone stiffs me, but you say stiffing, if someone stiffs me, um. All I'm going to do is if I take it the right way, God's going to always reward me. Absolutely. Um, I'm not, you know, and, I, and I've gone back and preached for those same people. Um, that's a, because that, that says a lot about your character that you went back because a lot of people would be like, I will never go back. Yeah, I'll go back and preach for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't, people be like, how much you charge? I don't charge. Uh, I buy. I buy the truth. I don't sell it. Mm. So um, I'm not. You know, you 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 can't you can't pay for this. Um, I am. I I I I preach. Man, I've preached revivals for people for free. And, you know, I've told preachers before, I'm like, hey, you know, I preach for a small church, I preach for the medium church, I preach for the big church. It, it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I go wherever God tells me to go. And God always provides for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, at, my, at that moment, when a pastor does that, what matters the most, what matters the most is not necessarily him stiffing me. What matters the most is how I take it after I feel like I've been stiffed. Right. Have you ever been invited to a church or uh, done a conference and one of the ministers sitting behind you, whenever you realized that minister was going to be there or you were going to preach at that church, you went, how in the world am I supposed to preach to this church? Like Almost like you got intimidated because they have such a uh, high status that it's just like, oh man, this is this is intimidating to preach at this church. Like I would think that like Bishop Wright would be one of those people that it's like, oh man, I'm preaching at Bishop Wright's church. <laughs> you know, um, I I um, I learned years ago that um, I had a young man ask me asked me actually a couple about a week ago. I had a young man that traveled with me. For a few days, a young man was planning on being an evangelist. He traveled with me for a few days. And um, he went, you know, I told him, we went to one church, and he was like, man, I'm so excited. Man, because he actually came to Antioch with me. And uh, he said, man, I'm so excited. My God, I'm pumped. And I said, I said, why? Because it's Chester, right? He was like, yeah, yeah. I said, why weren't you so excited about the other place? See, the thing is, I think we honor people based upon their status. Mm-hmm. I don't honor you based upon your status, based upon your accomplishments, based upon your platform. I honor you because of the blood, because of the spirit. 
Um, I'm not going to say that, you know, I, I, I don't, I try not to walk around like, Ooh, I'm impressed, uh, to the place where you become starstruck. Um, I honor, it's a privilege to be in the presence of great men. And I honor the fact that I'm here. I understand. I understand some of these other great leaders that I preach for. But I honor the small guy just like I honor the big guy. I, I don't, I, I treat everybody the same. I try not to be a respective person. Before I got involved in ministry like this full time, when I was in prison, God worked on my character. And it there was places in the scripture where it talks about being a respecter of person. And I can't honor someone um, greater than the other one because of the level of work that they've put in or something like that. No, I'm, I'm going to honor you. Now, that doesn't mean that my honor for them is low. My honor for them is high. But Whenever I've gone to places, most preachers would be like, man, Brother Hurt really honors me. I'm going to treat them like, and when I look at you, I don't look at you based upon where you're at. I honor people based upon what I see their potential is. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's how you made, that's how, and people that have sat under me, um, they, they've benefited from that. Because they're like, man, brother, her honors, he, you know, you know, he honored me, and I'm under him. But the way he honored honored me, when you see people based upon their potential, that's how you develop leaders. So, if there were th three musts of a character of a leader, what would I say? Three? You don't necessarily have to get three. If you if you just want to give one big one of a must of what a leader needs in their character. What are the musts? Be real. Be, be real. Um, be real. Be forgiving. Enough. Hmm. Those are the big. Those are big three. <laughs> yeah, that's a big three. Is uh, there anything ab about you that most people that are listening to you preach they don't really know about you? Like, uh, like from like as an example, like for me, uh, everybody always thinks I'm always like this real serious guy because like, like I don't smile a whole lot. It's not that I don't mean to. It's just that I don't. But like I, I love to laugh and joke and make people laugh. People look at Tony and they think he's a well. They're dead on. He he is a jerk. And then, um, <laughs> but but uh, oh my word. But 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 are, are there things about you that whenever people preach and like they get to know you, they're like, you know, brother Hurt, I didn't I didn't think you'd be as funny, or I didn't think you'd be like. Is there anything that people whenever they get to know you that that they're like, well, you know, I figured you'd be one way, or you know, just kind of like where they had an impression about how you'd be as because I know like a lot of times that people that operate in the gifts of the spirit, there's there's this uh, uh, opinion that everybody gets nervous when they're around him, like, oh, my gosh, he's going to read my mail. And What is it that most people don't know about you? I'm hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you just sold it. <laughs> oh, man. No, um, I would say that I like, I like to uh, – I am uh, – I like to shoot pool. I like to play basketball. I like to fish. I like to. Uh -oh. What like kind of fish? Yeah, that's now you're talking about me and Brian. Now there. my ears picked up real well there. What kind of fish? I like. I like catfishing. There you go. At night. I like. I like bass fishing. I don't like catfishing at night, man. I don't do mosquitoes, man. <laughs> don't come here. They got mosquitoes up no. in Indianapolis. Oh yeah, we got mosquitoes. That's why I fish at night. Don't fish at night. I fish when the nighttime hit. The boat come in. There it is. <laughs> there it is, uh, bro. I want to ask you one last question for me. Brian might have another one or so, but my final question for you um, is: it's kind of a big question, and it's kind of 
make you kind of talk about yourself a little bit. Um, okay. But after you've after you've ran this race and you've you've earned your place in um, in the kingdom and you're no longer with us here in this in this life, what kind of <laughs> legacy do you hope that you've left? I hope everybody forgets about me and the only thing they remember is Jesus. Bro, that's a big statement. Mm. And the reason why I say that is because I don't want me to be bigger than Jesus. I want, I don't want my children forget who I am. My grandchildren. But Jesus is even bigger. I, I, I need it. See, the thing is, if I die, I don't want them to grieve to the place where they've lost something. I want it to be that they've gained something. Mm. Scripture says, um, um, that the mother and father forsake you, the Lord will take you up. I want it to be that I have given them so much Jesus that when it's all well and done, all they see is Jesus. I want people to see me. I, now, that's, that is one thing. I don't like attention. Um, people that know me know me knows that like I don't like attention. I'm a person that I will, if you go to conferences, people don't see me out there mingling. I'm sitting up, to, I'll sit by myself somewhere. Um, I don't, I don't like, I don't like a lot of attention. I try to, I'm a person that likes to hide. Um, I have a saying that I don't really care who gets the praise as long as God gets the glory. Um, I don't want people to remember me. So when you walk in, if you walked in the back doors of the church that you started, how happy are you when people walk up to you to shake your hand and they don't need those people, man. They don't even those people, man. I I I love those people. The people that don't know who I am. Yeah, that's good. I love that. Now there are people that you know that know me, and I, I love those people. Um, was it hard to let that uh, church go? Uh, oh, yeah. But, I mean, like, I'm still, I pastor the pastor. So, um, so I'm still connected with them. And uh, so it's, you know, it. I guess it would be if I had to pastor again, if I, you know, when I pastor again, and I'm in another city, but even still. I would still probably have some sort of relationship with them. I would still, you know, come in, maybe preach every once in a while, minister to them every once in a while. Um, but um, I would say that um, I want it to be said that, you know, I want it to be that when I'm gone, that Jesus is bigger than the hearts of the people. Not a bigger hole that is missing from the hearts of the people. And the only way I feel like that's able to happen is if I die out to self. What what's your what's your website in case there's a pastor out there that wants to get a hold of you? Or somebody that needs encouragement from those testimonials. Oh yeah. Georgehurtministries.org. And they can reach out to you on Facebook as well, correct? Great. Awesome. They can go to Facebook, um, georgeherdministries.org, or uh, they might not want to fool with Instagram. Instagram, Instagram, I said, I said, Dad, your, page, your Instagram page is a meme page. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I just post a bunch of little silly things on Instagram. My Instagram's not, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's spiritual, you know. But, but that's the thing, man. You're funny and spiritual, right? 
<laughs> that <was> hilarious. Hey, <laughs> right. right, let me ask you this: as we got to let you go because you're running on a schedule here. What's your funniest okay. evangelism story? Or how about the what's your funniest church story? There it is. Um, I got plenty of those. Um, <laughs> well, you got to make it good. It's got to be the funniest. All right. Because I got one out. for you. All right. All right. Remember back in the day, uh, people started jumping on podiums. Yes. I like where this is going. I like where this is going. So, I'm over here like I'm preaching, man. And, uh, you know, I'm a young evangelist. I just start now. And I'm like, I watched, the, I think I might have watched the message. Somebody jumped on the podium. And I said, everybody was jumping on podiums. So I'm like, man. You know, like, so I'm like, I'm preaching. And, man, the whole place is going crazy. And they see, you know, man, I'm like, I might be going to higher places or something. And then I jumped on, like, I can't remember. I think it might have been a table or something. I jumped on this table. And, like, we're going to higher heights. Higher, and you're like, <laughs> you know, they're screaming. It's like from the chandeliers, I jump on that thing. Man, and then all you heard was crunch, 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 crunch. crunch. <laughs> 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 hey, man, I, I thought the table was a little stronger. Or I thought I was a little smaller. There it is. Let, let's go with the stronger table. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you ever said something that you went, man, I really hope they didn't record that? <laughs> I said something one time. I, I one time I said I made a statement over the well I'm not gonna talk about it. one time I made a statement. Somebody said I would have to talk about this in a closed in session. But I was I was I was preaching at a church. And people would be like, it, you know, it's kind of funny now. I'd be like, dude, did you say that? But it was a ministerial mistake. It was something that, you know, you can laugh at now. Mm-hmm. But I should not have said it. <laughs> oh, word. Man, I was. I should. I should not have said that. I and I said it, and it actually flowed with what I was saying. <laughs> but I never should have said it. What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, it's kind of like this. What, what did I say? Let's see. I was. I was preaching. And uh, and I was talking about Joseph's brothers, all right. And um, and I talked about how Joseph's brothers was like they were like um, they were like you know Joseph's like man I got this dream that um, I'm going to basically be the head guy in charge and y'all going to be bound down. And the brothers is like looking at him like I used another word, but it was like Negro, please. (laughs) 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 And when I said it, the whole church goes in berserk. I like please tell me we're like an all white church. No, it was a black church. <laughs> That's some white people. And like the whole church goes in berserks. Now we had people get baptized, people got the Holy Ghost. It was a powerful message. <laughs> it was a powerful message. Oh, but man. then after that happened, the preacher got up. After we had the move of God, the preacher got up and rebuked me from the platform. Oh, I bet you that made you feel sick. Man, yes. He rebuked me, and then he rebuked the people for laughing and wow. said, y'all should feel disrespected. Mm. Ooh. And uh, I, I just started evangelizing. Have you been back since? You know, <laughs> we, 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 we've tried. We've, every time we've, I've come to that area, I don't come through that area uh, much. And he's wanted me to, you know, <laughs> He's wanted me to, but we can never get it. Uh, it's been more on my part than it's been. Nah, at least that door's his. still open. Yeah, the door's still open, but it was kind of like, you know, this little young guy. I mean, he set me straight. 
Yeah. I, I never, I never did it again. I never said it again. You know, bro, probably. Did, did you say it on accident or did you, did you No, know? bro, it was on purpose, bro. I knew I was going <laughs> to, that was the punchline. <laughs> see, 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 mine's not nearly that bad, but I was teaching a college and career class and uh, I was talking about the importance of reading and I said the reason why uh, leaders have to be readers is because every leader needs to be mentally challenged. <laughs> And, and like every, and like as soon as I said it, like like three or four heads popped up, and I realized immediately what I said. And I was like, Let's, uh, "You guys know what I meant." And I just moved on. <laughs> oh, and then one t- one time I was at a church, um, and I was like, I was like, um, I I was preaching real hard, and I was like, "God's going to bring in your blessing. It's coming. Your blessing is coming." I said, "There's going to be a whole shipload coming in." <laughs> I, I said that, and I think the you know he's superintendent of Indiana now, and he was like, yeah, he loves me, that brother Mitchell, and like he was like, you know, I didn't, you know, I was like, and I said it again, I, I wasn't even thinking, I was like, it's coming in big, I'm talking about a whole shipload, and like he's over here. And these guys on the platform laughing. I'm trying to figure out why Brother Mitchell's like, you know, if you got to know him, he's shaking his head. Yeah, he's brother Marvin like, Mitchell, isn't it? Marvin Mitchell's father, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know him. He's shaking his head, man. Brother Mitchell, he squints those eyes. And he's just laughing. And I'm like, what did I say? And then we get out, you know, he's like, Brother Hurt. He said, he said, Brother Hurt. He said, I just, I could not contain myself. I said, what is he saying? He's like, then I realized you said ship load. He said, brother, you can't use ship and load in the same sentence. He said, you have to use boat load. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my word. That is an awesome story. Man, this has been such a great episode. It's challenged me. You're hilarious. I've laughed. Yeah. It hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Brother Hurt, Brian and I, we we do nothing more than send blessings and encouragement your way. Um, man, keep doing what you're doing. It's such an encouragement to everybody. Amen. Everybody. Brian, what do you got to say? Wrap us up. Oh, I just got to say, uh, have a great service tonight and this weekend. And... Uh, Hopefully we'll talk again sometime soon. Thanks for coming on with us, bro. Thank you. Yes, sir. Blessings to you guys. Brian, that was an awesome episode. (laughs) (laughs) Those were really funny. Yeah, they were. But, man, you want to talk about some encouragement. Man, from the very get-go, that Uh dude's straight up throwing just haymakers. He had so many good one-liners in that episode. Yeah. Oh, my word. That was great. Yeah. I, you know, I'm glad everybody got a chance to listen in. And um, if you're not familiar with this ministry, I encourage you to check it out. I know I'm going to check it out a lot more now. And uh, we thank you for listening to, as always, the Crucial Conversation Podcast. Uh-huh.